Hi, the Zickland peoples. You're listening to Your Morning Jacket. Uh, I mean, Your Morning Joe. Uh, damn, obviously, you're listening to the Your Morning Coffee podcast with Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart, weekly music news for the new music business. Take it away, guys. From Randall Foster for Hypebot, the truth behind why you aren't getting more streams. From Anthony Pacheco over at Simple, the fans also like Nightmare of September 2023. And for Music Business Worldwide, Live Nation scraps artist merch fees at its U.S. club venues as part of new On the Road Again program. Mm. Well, 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 Jay. What do you have to say about that? And we have other things to talk about in addition to all of these things. So we are glad you're here. Jay and I are going to start episode 164 right about now. Stand by for transmission. This is London calling. Wake up! The revolution is at hand! Your morning coffee is on the air. Your morning coffee, the weekly music news for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. And now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Well, Jay, it is so good to see you. And as per usual, we have been chatting for almost an hour about all the things to talk about. It is a, we have a full plate today. Yeah, just so much to talk about, so much news and uh, important news, uh, as important a matter of fact. News indeed. Just, just yes. so much stuff going on. Yeah, well, and let, let's just start with, talk about busy. Again, you are the busiest person I know in the business. <laughs> and you have, because you can't just do one podcast, but you've got the fantastic Behind the Setlist podcast with our good friend over at Billboard. Yeah. And uh, you got a couple of great episodes coming up. Thanks, yeah. Uh, Glenn Peoples and I love doing this podcast. Um, we just went live with Juliana Hatfield, and she she talks about her, her new album, of electric light orchestra covers. I'm a big ELO fan. I know oh, you are too. too. And too. Uh, she really pays uh, the respect to those. And then yesterday we recorded one of my favorite interviews. It was with um, Ed Robertson from Bare Naked Ladies. What a great guy. What a great band. They, They're uh, Canadian. Can, How can yeah, they not be nice? Yeah, from Toronto area. Um, just uh, so hardworking and... Uh, uh, there, if you can't have fun at one of those shows, you probably uh, can't have fun. 
they are nothing if not a fun band. And as I mentioned to you when we were chatting, uh, I remember when Sire signed them when I was in the Warner Music Group family and uh, Howie Klein, who was the West Coast uh, guy who ran Sire, he had them go around to all the departments at the Warner Brothers Records building and play a song. And so they would just cut, carry their you know upright bass and their guitars and the kind of little <laughs> funny little drum and they'd go to the one department and then to another. And it was so charming. And they are charming people, as you you know. And yeah. uh, what, a, what a great band. And hard to believe they've been together for that long. Yeah, that, that was a long time years. ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Unbelievable. A couple of other notes uh, this week. We have the Music Tectonics Conference. It's coming we October do. 24th through the 26th. We'll be there. That's in Santa Monica. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the best conferences out there. Uh, don't miss it. One conference I'm going to miss, sadly, um, and it's, man, so many great... Uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, panels and discussions going on. And that's Mondo, which is yes. uh, the business of music conference. And that's coming up October 10th through the 13th in New York city. I really hate missing that this year. Me too. Yeah. But that's, you know, but you can only go to so many and, uh, yeah. but we, we, we were both just chatting. We noticed our good friend, Albie Galutin is going to be uh, doing an AI panel there. He's going to be moderating the panel with, and Martin Clancy, our other friend yeah. is going to be on that as well. And that, that's a bummer to miss stuff like that. That would have been, that's a good, that's a good one for sure. Yeah. So if you can go, uh, go, go. Uh, another thing that sort of dropped this week is, uh, our friend Keith Jopling. Um, he has the Art of Longevity uh, podcast, you know, the Song Sommelier, oh, one yeah. of our favorite podcasts. And uh, he's about to embark on season eight. He's done 50 episodes. And he sent out this note. He said, you know, as I prepare for season eight, here's a short summary of what has impressed me most about what artists really know about the music business. And this is from those first 50 uh, episodes. Uh, number one, that real success is making fans happy. Recognition from peers and ticket sales would be nice. Those come above chart positions, awards, and streaming counts. Yeah. He also said number two is the direct-to-fan makes money and makes you feel good, removing the barriers between you and your fans. And it's certainly a worthwhile endeavor. Yeah, absolutely. Number three, that you should always have a close inner circle. Um, they'll, they'll keep you grounded and staying grounded is the key to longevity and making a living from what you love. And number four is labels are important still. Don't let your label off the hook, but keep your expectations about what a record deal will deliver in check. Number five, streaming is a double-edged sword. It's more of a promotion than a paycheck. Embrace it. Don't chase it. <laughs> Number six, engaging with marketing and promotion will help your career not hinder it. Marketing and promotion are not dirty words. If you want to enjoy them, get involved. Oops, I got to change this. <laughs> I got to change the page, Dave. And be more choosy about what you decide to do, then do it well. Right. And number seven, artists who network, pay attention to industry trends, and collaborate with other experienced artists have a better understanding of how the business works and can learn from sharing experiences and mistakes. And of course, this last one is one music project is not enough to make a good living. Being in a band might mean being in two bands, a solo career, a side hustle, multitask your way to longevity. That's probably my favorite one for yeah, sure. Yeah, such great stuff. If you haven't checked it out, um, Google the song Sommelier. Um, it is a uh, fantastic, you know, The Art of Longevity is one of my favorite podcasts and Keith does such a great job. So kudos to you, Keith. 
Well done. And the greatest name, the song Sommelier. That is yeah. just such a brilliant, brilliant name. A couple of other things really quickly. Um, just a reminder that we launched uh, Your Morning Coffee GPT, which is a yeah. working title. And it's basically this really great company called Astral. Um, has taken a hundred of our podcast episodes and put it into machine learning, AI. And it's really cool. You can ask questions and it will draw from those hundred episodes and interviews and stories we've covered. It's, it's pretty cool. So that's in your morning coffee the last couple of weeks. Um, we're lovingly referring to it as your morning coffee, GPT, and that's by <laughs> Astral. And then one other thing is, there was a, uh, the second story in your morning coffee this week was TikTok artist handbook 2023. And sadly that was a bad link. So we're going to put a link to that PDF because it's really, really good uh, put together by TikTok, everything artists need to know and, you know, sort of dispelling some myths and misconceptions about what TikTok is and what its strengths are. I highly recommend you check it out, but we'll add that link um, to the show notes. Yeah. And like a lot of these things, it is a beautiful, somebody put a lot of work into this. It's uh, it's really well done. Really, yeah. really well done. And, you know, and this has just been an unbelievable week for Spotify. News. Oh my gosh. Goodness. Yeah. So many stories. One of the things that might've uh, slipped by is Spotify is, they're doing their annual wellness week, which I think is really cool. They actually closed down between Monday, October 30th and Friday, November 3rd to give their um, employees, a wellness break. So cheers to uh, Spotify for that. I thought that was pretty cool. And then the other, well, there's so many announcements and we can talk about some of them. We're not going to go too deep into all of these, just a couple that we think are super important. One is about, you know, Spotify, you know, announcing their day list, which is, mm -hmm. it's, it's super interesting. Um, and I've tried mine out, you know, think of it as, you know, different playlists that sort of follow you around throughout the day. And the best coverage I think was actually from Spotify itself. Uh, the headline was get fresh music sun up to sundown with Daylist, your ever changing Spotify playlist. And I played with mine a little bit and it's really good. It's sort of like radio, um, in that, you know, it's serving things up to you. But these are playlists that sort of look at your behavior throughout the day and the mood throughout the day, you know, maybe your workout, your morning drive, your your afternoon, your dinner music, all of that. And it makes different playlists for you. And so far, so good. It's pretty cool. Well, they say this new one-of-a-kind playlist on Spotify ebbs and flows with unique vibes, bringing together the niche music and micro genres you usually listen to during particular moments in the day or on specific days of the week. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And how you find it and save it and share it, you know, as of today, Daylist is available to both free and premium users across the US, Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, and Ireland. You know, just go to spotify.com forward slash Daylist. You can also find Daylist on uh, mobile in the Made for You hub. So on desktop and web, simply search daylist to bring up your playlist uh daylist updates multiple times a day and you can view when your next update will be from the uh, playlist page on mobile so um, i'm having a lot of fun with this thing if you haven't checked it out um it's it's super cool uh daylist by spotify 
Very clever and very creative of them to do that. And uh, Jay, before we go further, we must thank our sponsors because uh, we are so fortunate to have a group of folks that help us put the show together all the time. Yes, we are. Our first one is Banzoogle. The Your Morning Coffee podcast is brought to you by our friends at Banzoogle, built by musicians for musicians. Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform, makes it super easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features that you need for a professional website, everything is built in. Things like hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools, help you grow your fan list, send newsletters, social media integrations and live support from their musician-friendly team, seven days a week, your morning coffee podcast listeners. Just go to bandzoogle.com, try it for free for 30 days. Just use the promo code morning coffee, all one word, and that will get you 15% off your first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code morning coffee. And big thanks to another sponsor, HypeBot. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It is edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Alana Bonilla. HypeBot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by live music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town. Yes, sir. Bands in Town, over 80 million now. Uh, 80 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It's the number one artist services platform connecting over 590,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. And big thanks to the Music Business Association. The Music Business Association hosts an annual slate of in-person and virtual events so industry professionals across the globe can come together to discuss hot-button issues and support the growth of the entire music business community. Join us for the Music Biz 2024 conference. It's going to be May 13th through the 16th at the JW Marriott in Nashville. See you there. So, yes, indeed. So big thanks to Banzoogle, Hypebot, Bands in Town, and the Music Business Association. And of course, the chap that I get to chat with every week. He is none other than Jay Gilbert. He is a music industry consultant. He is the curator of the wonderful and weekly Your Morning Coffee newsletter and a former executive with a couple of little startups. Universal Music, Sony Music, and the Warner Music Groups. Uh, thank you, brother. And this guy across from me, Mike Etchart, is a longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, and Universal Music Groups. Pleasure every week to hop on. We typically get on for an hour or so before and just uh, talk about avocados and music and cars and all sorts of things. And today was no different. Before we jump in, I just wanted to um, point out, we talked about how much Spotify news there was this week. And we, we talked did. about wellness week, you know, we, we talked about their day list, but a couple of other headlines. Um, one was uh, from the BBC, Spotify will not ban AI made music says boss. Hmm. Very interesting. And then the one that we, you and I talked about earlier this week when this popped out, Spotify develops AI-powered voice cloning tool that can translate podcasts into multiple languages. Yeah, that's super interesting. I can't wait to try that out. I would love to translate our podcast into different yeah. languages. And you and I talk about uh, Holly Herndon quite a bit. For those who haven't seen the TED Talk, it's 15, 20 minutes long. There's a TED Talk by Holly Herndon. And she talks about her technology, Holly Plus, 
but it will blow your mind um, what she does. And I think that's sort of the same technology that we're talking about on this uh, Spotify AI-powered AI voice cloning tool. A um, couple of other things really quickly. Um, over 500 songs will be in the Spotify Billions Club by the end of 2023. 500 tracks have that, been played pretty crazy. over a billion times. That just blew my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, a lot of great stuff going on over at Spotify, and uh, it's it's hard to keep up sometimes. But that is why you should subscribe, if you haven't already, to Jay's newsletter, because it is fantastic and keeps you abreast of all the things you need to be up on. There's a lot. Sure. It changes every week. It does indeed. Well, let's jump into the first story. Yeah. It's from our friend Randall Foster uh, over at uh, for Hypebot. The truth behind why you aren't getting more streams, and yeah. uh, you are name checked in this one, Jay. Yeah, I wrote a, a few things. It wasn't intended necessarily for this. Randall and I talk about the music industry early and often, uh, issues and uh, just you know where things are going and he's he's one of the brightest minds out there um, for the music industry he's the chief creative officer over at symphonic and he had sent me uh, a note and saying you know what I should probably publish this and I said yeah absolutely you should and I sent a few things over to him that he added to it but this is this is mostly uh, Randall um, and he starts off by saying that low streaming numbers don't mean that you have a music problem. It means that you have an audience problem. It doesn't mean that your music is bad. It means no one knows it's there, right? People are not interacting with your music because they don't know who you are, nor do they care. Uh, really, why should they? Right. He points out 75% of music streaming consumption is catalog. That means most people are utilizing streaming, streaming services to find music and artists they already know and love. Yes, there is a, a moderate amount of discovery that happens through the streaming services, but people do not innately log in looking for the new thing according to the numbers. You must first build an audience. Mm -hmm. To have an audience, and that means you must get in front of people digitally and physically stop hiding behind your keyboard play live <laughs> shows go to the merch table and sign records and merch after your show for god's sake it's the best margin items you can sell it's also a chance to make a friend find a fan and create a relationship yeah Absolutely. i mean it's a sound advice he says stop approaching this um I mean, start approaching this like it's a business and not a hobby. That's the only way you're going to succeed. At the end of the day, streaming is one part of that business. But in all honesty, it's the advertisement, sort of the flyer for the show, so to speak. You know, this the, the show is where you make all your money. Focus on being a performer, not being an influencer. Viral is not a marketing plan, nor should it ever be. Being prepared for if you go viral, that's important. That's why having a good team around you is imperative. Absolutely. He says, if your streaming numbers are not go growing, he said, I would ask myself some very hard questions. First of all, who is listening to me and why are they listening to me? Where are they at? Are they in areas where listeners of my genre exist? Or did I pay someone to falsely inflate my numbers and now my core listenership is in New Delhi? <laughs> How am I engaging the fan? Am I interacting? Are we filling up their cup or simply taking from it? My song is out. Go stream it on Spotify has got to be the weakest call to action in the history of music marketing. Yeah. Amen. You know, he says that while it's, while it's possible to be a bedroom musician and make a decent living from YouTube and other digital monetization, it's, it's really not optimal. 
You must get out of your shell and find your ability to perform as that's what's going to carry you in your entire career. When your fans are old and gray, uh, they'll be buying tickets to come see you play. That's, that's the goal. Not, not new music Friday, not a viral TikTok video, not likes. He says, the goal is to be a musician for the rest of your life and make a handsome living doing it. Focus on that and focus on your audience and you will win the ball game. <clears throat> Lose sight of your audience or of your, of your need to build and take care of that audience and you will fail miserably. End of story. Focus on the fans and the rest will, will work it out. Will work itself out. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me. So he's got some action items here courtesy of... You, Jake Gilbert, I love this. Yeah, I, I sent him just a few what I call action items because the music business has a 93% failure rate if you're looking solely at ROI, return on investment. So these these points are really things to think about. You know, what is success and how do you succeed? And the first one, I've said this before, create great music. Um, Jonathan Daniel has a great quote that I use a lot. He said, give me a great song. My job is easy. Give me a good song. My job is impossible. Yeah. How about consistency in everything you do, writing, recording, live performances, social media, et cetera. Consistency is yeah. super key. It really is. And number three, create a mini campaign surrounding each track that you release a powerful narrative, compelling photos and videos, every single focus track that you release. Uh, number four is don't post to social media. Engage your audience. It's a dialogue. Respond to comments. Ask questions. Build a street team. Number five, collaborate and quote unquote base swap with other writers, musicians, and artists. Yeah, for sure. Number six, build fans. Don't chase streams. So, so true. And we've t I've, if, if I've heard you say that one time, I've heard you say that a hundred times, Jay. Yeah. And we included a, a link from our friend Maddie uh, over at Shark Attack, uh, a story she wrote for HypeBot. Um, number seven, optimize. Don't ever try to game the system. Optimize your website, socials, YouTube, ECRM, which is a fancy way of saying email list. Uh, and digital service provider artist pages like Apple Music for Artists, Spotify Music for or Spotify for Artists, and Amazon for Artists. And as my good friend Jay Gilbert always says, number eight, go to where the party is. Don't try to build your own party. Use BandLab, Bandcamp, Bands of Town, etc. The number one place for music consumption is not Spotify. It's YouTube by a mile. That's where the party is. <laughs> yes, it is. Mm. Good words, Jay, and and uh, what a wonderful piece! And you know, yeah, thank you, of Randall. Of course, Randall knows. You know, he sees it every day over there. Yeah, he sure and, does. Uh, nice to hear from him, indeed. Yeah. yeah. The next story is from our friend Anthony Pacheco over at Oddly Simple. The headline is "The Fans Also Like Nightmare of September 2023." Spotify fans also like update for 2023. So you may have noticed that. Uh, you know what fans also like. That's where you look at your artist page and there's a section of, you know, uh, the fans that you have. Here's some other artists that they also like. But Spotify mm -hmm. recently made some major changes to the algorithm that determines an artist's quote unquote fans also like section. For many artists, especially smaller independent artists, these changes have resulted in their fans also like section displaying artists that are completely unrelated or a poor match genre-wise. So I also reached out to a couple of other music marketers this week, and I'm hearing it on both sides, Mike. I'm hearing some that it 
they're actually doing better. Um, they're getting, they're showing up more and other artists fans mm -hmm. also like, and then there are a few that it's not as good. So it's, it's a little early right now to sort of tell, but I, I thought this was a great piece that Anthony put together to s sort of call things out. Well, and it's, this is kind of come because of recent changes to Spotify's algorithm that seem to have disrupted the fans also like section for many artists, replacing the recommended artist with unrelated ones, often very small artists with little crossover appeals. So, you know, this is, as you were saying, you know, when you're, when you make changes to things like this, sometimes <laughs> un, unwanted results happen. Yeah. I mean, it's going to change things. It's, Again, it's too early to tell if it's positive or negative, but there were some negative uh, things that were reported, and Anthony reports on one of them. He said that artists first began reporting issues with their fans also like sections near the end of the month, uh, last month, September. <clears throat> one Reddit user said, quote, my band used to have a fans also like section that was a great representation of artists which sound similar to us. As of today, every single artist has changed and it now relates us to almost exclusively bands within the same city. All of them have less listeners and much less correlation in terms of sound. Wow. The issue seems to have impacted artists of all sizes, from independent artists to major label acts. However, some niche genres like Swancore seem largely unaffected. Even artists with over 50,000 monthly listeners found their, uh, their sections replaced with artists that make no sense at all. So uh, he yeah. said frustrated artists reported speaking with Spotify representatives who claim the issues were the result of recent changes to the algorithm and would be resolved by the end of September. However, as uh, user Urban Molarot pointed out, label artists seem all have been uh, label artists seem to all have been untouched, though, raising questions about why the issue seems isolated to independent and mid-level artists. Interest. Interesting. <laughs> it's easy for you to yes. say. Um, so, so Anthony says, what should artists do now? He says, be patient, but vocal. Uh, continue promoting your profile and music as usual, but also report any ongoing issues with your fans also like section to Spotify. Explain how the changes are impacting your ability to gain new listeners. Putting pressure on Spotify, especially as a group, may motivate them to address this issue a bit faster. And he goes on to say, what is Spotify doing about the new update? As frustration mounts, many artists are left waiting to see whether and how Spotify addresses the problems. Uh, so he goes on to say, um, while tweaking algorithms to benefit smaller or local artists is admirable, Spotify would do well to find a solution that does not come at the cost of disrupting an important discovery tool for the artists that have helped build their platform. Uh, artists have little choice but to remain at the mercy of changes to Spotify's algorithms of finding a solution that maintains a balance of re uh, relevancy and exposure for artists of all sizes may help prevent future issues like the fans also uh, like the fans also the nightmare of September 2023 this other we're calling this the nightmare of September 2023 yeah. yeah the other thing he says you know near the end of the piece is basically you need to analyze your data I mean, look, mm -hmm. at, look at your Spotify for artist data, see where your listeners are coming from and what is working. Look for any changes or drop-offs that correspond with the changes of your fans also like section. Um, the insights may help determine better strategies for connecting with listeners. Just please, again, don't freak out over your fans also like right now. Be patient. 
Right. And he says, run marketing campaigns. If your friend, if your fans also like is out of, is, is out of whack AF, as he says, driving new and relevant <laughs> listeners can potentially remedy the damage. Run ad campaigns on platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok to promote your new releases and drive streams. And another story, Jay, this is from uh, Music Business Worldwide. Live Nation scraps artist merch fees at its U.S. club venues as part of new On the Road Again program. This is very interesting and very timely. It really is. And and as we sort of get into this by Murray Stassen, great, great piece in the music business worldwide, is that, you know, um, you'll recall that this was a major topic at this big Senate hearing in January about ticketing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Clyde Lawrence testified and really pushed the point. And I, I want to set this story up by sort of teeing up what Clyde Lawrence said. He said, Another pain point for artists is the significant loss of revenues due to promoter merchandise cuts. Typically, the promoter takes a sizable percentage, roughly 20%, of an artist's merch sales. And once we factor in our costs of creating and transporting the merch, it can be even larger, like 40% of an artist's bottom line. The argument is that the venue is providing us retail space to sell our merch? Sure, but we're providing all of the customers and yet receive no cut from their ancillary revenue streams. Live Nation getting around 20% of our gross merch sales while we get nothing in ticketing fees, bar tabs, coat checks, and parking passes doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I think that sort of sets it up beautifully um, for why this is being addressed. Right. So now concert uh, giant Live Nation, <clears throat> they have announced that at, at, at their U.S. clubs, they will stop taking a percentage of artists merch and merch stand sales. So artists keep 100 percent of merch profits for each show. Yeah. The move is part of a wider program called On the Road Again, which is currently being rolled out with legendary artist Willie Nelson to support developing artists and crew at the club level. Right. And I sent you over an email earlier that I had received from a friend of ours, and, and he points out, you know, through the end of the year, the On on the Road Again program expects to deliver tens of millions of dollars in extra earnings to club artists and crew. And, and this is how they're going to do it. Number one, supporting developing artists. All Live Nation clubs will provide $1,500 in gas and travel cash per show to headliners and support acts on top of nightly pay. These clubs will also charge no merch fees, so artists keep 100% of merch profits. Yeah, uh, they also, another point of this is thanking our behind the scenes heroes. To recognize the unsung behind the scenes heroes who make these shows happen on the road again is providing financial bonuses to local promoters that help execute at shows tour reps that live life on a bus and crew members that have worked over 500 hours in 2023. Wow. Yeah. And then the third one, final one is lending a hand to crew across the country. The on the road again, uh, program is donating $5 million to crew nation to support crews across the industry facing unforeseen hardships. So you can read more about this in, in Rolling Stone pro in, in variety, but let's go back to Murray Stassen's piece in uh, Music Business Worldwide. Um, he, I think he lays this out beautifully, you know, that, you know, touring is crucial uh, to an artist's livelihood. 
And we understand travel costs take one of the biggest bites out of an artist's nightly profits. You know, uh, the piece added that by helping with these core expenses, we aim to make it easier for artists on the road so they can keep performing for their fans in more cities across the country. Right. So the program will also see Live Nation pay acts playing at its participating clubs an extra $1,500 per show to cover fuel and travel expenses on top of what those artists receive in compensation for their performance. That $1,500 stipend will be paid to all headliners and openers at those clubs. Yeah. There's been a lot of money being made on the touring side and a lot of complaining, not just from Live Nation venues, but independent venues. Uh, as well, that, you know, they should be um, eliminating these merch fees. There was a really great piece that you and I were talking about earlier by Dave Brooks over at Billboard. And the headline was Live Nation cut merch fees. And this California club owner says indie venues should as well. Um, quote unquote, uh, merch, mon- merch money, almost said merch monkey, merch money is not what is going to, is going to keep us in business, says ineffable CEO, Thomas Cousins. He recently cut merch fees at his own venues in January. So really nine months before live Ma- live nation made the headline uh, grabbing decision to cut merch fees at 77 of its clubs and theaters, Thomas Cousins over at ineffable had already done that. Right. And he said merch money is not what is going to keep us in business. Uh, And his company oversees 10 venues across California, including the Catalyst Club in Santa Cruz, the Ventura Music Hall in Ventura and the Golden State Theater in Monterey. He says what causes independent venues to go out of business is the one in 10 shows where venues pay way too much relative to the draw and end up losing everything they made on the previous nine shows. Yeah. And it says that he made that decision to stop charging acts performing at his venues, a cut of the merch uh, sales, which, you know, uh, which is now sort of a standard industry practice. He made that decision while watching the January 24th Senate Judiciary uh, Committee hearing about Ticketmasters. He says it was um, members of the band Lawrence's uh, testimony that we just referred to about how much bands rely on merch money uh, for touring that moved him to change the company policy. He said, it is money that most directly gets into the band's pocket. And the idea that we were taking away from that did not sit right with me. Since then, he says the decision has not hurt his business at all. Still, independent venues remain concerned about what Live Nation's new On the Road Again program will mean for them. How can they compete with the deals Live Nation is offering? The National Independent Venue Association released a statement on Wednesday uh, following the news saying temporary measures may appear to help artists in the short run, but actually can squeeze out independent venues, which provide the lifeblood of many artists Mm. on thin margins. Yeah, and a member of that same group, uh, Neva, uh, you know, Cousins said that he understands why some of their members may be upset that Live Nation's policy might put pressure on their businesses But he adds that eliminating merch fees is net positive for the entire live music ecosystem, one where everyone is benefiting. He says it's difficult to operate a single venue in a market against Live Nation. Venues are low-margin businesses. I'm not here to say that no one should should charge merch fees. What I am here to say is that it is my opinion that if you waive those fees, it is an overall healthier ecosystem, and you will actually do better in business because you are doing something that makes the process easier. Yeah, and they go on to interview him 
And the last thing they say in the article, they ask him a question, you know, what advice do you have for other venue owners considering dropping merch fees? And he said, you know, it's not a one size fits all thing and it might not be the right solution for everyone. But he said that I'm so happy that we made the move, not only from an ethos standpoint, financially as well. It has not hurt me at all. Very interesting. Yeah. And boy, we were gonna we we're gonna hear more about this moving forward for sure. And uh yeah. but you know, so it's a it, I mean, you you work with so many artists that that are out there on the road and it, indeed merch sales are so important uh, to just the, the the success or failure of a tour. That's exactly right. It, it could mean whether they're sleeping in the van, <clears throat> excuse me, or sleeping in a hotel or whether they they make any profit at all. It's it's crucial. Uh, for business. And this sort of came uh, contrasted to a piece that Glenn Peoples wrote in Billboard that you and I were talking about, you know, music's top money makers, the highest paid executives and stockholders at publicly (laughs) traded companies. So while some of these musicians are just fighting and clawing for, you know, this revenue that they need to survive, there was this piece that came out this last week that Glenn wrote about the, some of the revenue or some of the compensation that some of these executives are being paid. And I want to preface this by saying that I don't fault any of these executives for making this money. I really don't. Um, if you're helping a company be profitable and bring in a lot of money, I think you should be compensated for that. And some of these uh, salaries may seem ridiculous to some people, especially if you compare them to the average worker's salary. Mm -hmm. So I just want to Mm -hmm. preface that, that, you know, we're not haters here, but some of the amounts here are really staggering. Uh, Absolutely. So as, as the piece says, Billboard's annual executive moneymakers ranking shows music top six, music's top executives were paid handsomely post pandemic in 2022. And some shareholders are not happy. So the article starts by saying, for some music companies, 2022 was the payoff for weathering the darkest days of the COVID-19 pandemic. When when business returned that year, sometimes in record-setting fashion, these companies rewarded their executives handsomely. According to Billboard's 2022 Executive Moneymakers Breakdown of Stock Ownership and Compensation. But shareholders as well as two investment advisory groups contend that compensation for top executives at Live Nation and Universal Music Group is excessive. Well, let's talk about those two, um, Live Nation and Universal Music Group, and then we'll jump into what that top 10 looks like. Um, Glenn points out that, excuse me, Live Nation is the world's largest concert promotion and ticketing company, and it rebounded from revenue of less than $2 billion um, and 6.3 billion in 2020 and 2021, respectively, to a record 16.7 billion in 2022. That performance helped make its two top executives, uh, President and CEO Michael Rapino, and President and CFO George Birchtold, the best-paid music executives of 2022. In total, Rapino received a pay package worth 139 million dollars while Birchtold earned $52.4 million that year. Rapino's new employment contract includes an award of performance shares targeted at 1.1 million shares, roughly 334,000 shares of restricted stock that will fully pay off if the company hits aggressive growth targets and the stock price doubles in five years. So let's take a look at Lucian Grange. 
Yep. So he is the top paid music executive in 2021. He came in third in 2022 with a total compensation of 47.3 million euros, which translates to so skosh under $50 million. Unlike the other executives on this year's list, he wasn't even given large stock awards or stock options. Instead, Grange, who has been CEO of UMG since 2010, was given a performance bonus of 28.8 million euros or a little over $30 million. In addition to a salary of uh, $16.2 million, by far the largest of any music executive. And the next section is kings of compensation. And here are the salaries for the top 10 executive paydays. And the value is in U.S. dollars, starting with Live Nation uh, CEO and President Michael Rapino. Um, he brought home $139 million. $3 million of that was his annual salary. Yeah. At number two, Joe Burke told he's the Live Nation CFO and president. His total compensation was $52.4 million. Yeah. Not and bad. Not bad. And only $1.3 million of that was salary. Number three, we talked about Lucian Grange, Universal Music Group chairman and CEO. His total compensation was nearly $50 million. Um, and surprisingly, $30 million of that was from bonuses. Right. We didn't see that on the other two or other three people here we're talking about. Sixteen point two million dollars is his annual salary. And Stephen Cooper, who's then the now retired uh, CEO over at Warner Music Group, he had a total compensation of nineteen point four million dollars. Mm -hmm. Not too bad. Not too bad. Number five, James Dolan, uh, total compensation, nineteen point two million dollars. And again, very little of that was from his salary, I should say, you know, 1.9 million of that 19.2 is his salary. Uh, Bob Pittman comes up at number six. He's the iHeart Media CEO, a total compensation of $16.3 million. Yep. Number seven, Warner Music Group CEO, recorded music, Max Lusada, $16 million. Number eight, Richard Bresler. He's the iHeartMedia president, CFO, and COO, a total compensation of $15.5 million. Yep. Joseph Inzerillo, a Sirius XM chief product and technology officer. His total compensation for the year was $14.3 million. And rounding out the top 10, Joseph Verbrugge, if I got that right. Sorry, Joseph, if I butchered that. He's the Sirius XM chief commercial officer, and his total compensation was $11 million. So yeah. Yeah. nobody will, none of these people will be joining me in the soup line, Jay. I think they're going to be okay this year. No, okay, I, don't I, worry about them. Yeah, I think they're going to be just fine. So a really great piece from uh, Billboard's Glenn Peoples, um, our friend over there. Um, he's so good at digging in and being on these earnings calls and doing the research. And, and again, we're not slamming these people for making a, a lot of money. If you're driving revenue at these companies, um, you deserve to be compensated. I just think that it, it, there's such a contrast between what maybe the average worker makes compared to the uh, CEO or, or the CFO in, in a lot of these cases. Well, yeah. And, you know, if you look over time, you see that as, you know, like the last 50 years or so, um, you know, the, the compensation have in many people's eyes got a little, got a little bit out of whack, you know, when, when you contrast that with the average worker at a company. Yeah. Um, but, you know, these are the times we live in and it's interesting slash depressing <laughs> to see the <laughs> salaries of these folks, you know? I'm not saying, again, they're not working hard, but 
so am I. And yeah. I'm not, uh, yeah. that, that's not my, what my checkbook uh, looks like at, at payday. But yeah. hey, yeah. We good God bless them and good on them. Yeah. So uh, yeah. fascinating to see those numbers, though. Yeah. And again, Jay, you know, it's it is you know we were there in '99 for the boom years, and then we saw the trough, and and it's it's just gratifying to see how the business has rebounded over the last few years. It really is, yeah. You know, and again music, because pe- yeah, and yeah, touring, um, it's it's really healthy and growing. And it's it's very exciting uh, times for the music industry. And on that note, we need to wrap up episode 164. We do want to thank everyone for listening in, Jay, and I certainly appreciate it. It is not... Uh, it does not go without notice. And if you enjoy our show, we'd certainly appreciate it if you tell one friend, Please. just one friend. Yep. We do want to thank our sponsors, Banzugo, Hypebot, Bands in Town, and the Music Business Association. Boy, we certainly appreciate their participation and continuing, continuing help that it does not go unnoticed as well. And on that note, Jay, what do you say we say toodaloo, and we'll see you next time on the Your Morning Coffee podcast. You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.